Hello, everyone, and welcome to Transition Careers. On today's episode, I have my very first guest, Zach Mitz. Now, Zach and I worked together at the same company for several years, and I think that his career story and his progression is right on topic for the podcast. Just to give you some background, Zach went straight into industry with his bachelor's working in the lab. He then transitioned out of the lab into a study director role, and he now works in his current role of business development. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about how his feelings of wanting to contribute played into his career decisions and how business development has allowed him to apply what he has learned while at the same time continue to expand his skill set. Hope you're all excited. Let's do this. Well, thanks, Zach, for being on the podcast and for being my first guest. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Jared. I'm uh, glad to be here. and Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Well, let's get started with this then. What made you interested in the sciences um, at first? So either as a child or, you know, growing up or in high school or even choosing it as a major for in college? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think growing up, it was just something that, you know, I, I enjoyed in school. A lot of it probably goes back to having, you know, fun teachers, uh, particularly in high school. I always thought it was a fun topic, an interesting topic. I mean, along those lines, I enjoyed things like math and writing, but science kind of felt like a combination of those. Um, yeah, and just sort of, you know, is the reasoning behind everything that happens in the world, right? So, uh, yeah, I, I just always felt like it was pretty interesting. And, and leading into college, I, I would say I had some aspirations of, you know, going into medical school and things like that. Not that I had a, a perfect plan in place, and obviously my career didn't go that way, but I, I think that that probably played a role in it as well. Gotcha. Yeah, that that was going to be one of my questions, whether med school was part of your decision. I remember, and you probably remember this too, the, the first organic chemistry lecture when the guy asked, so who, who's actually here for chemistry and how many are here to go to med school? And the med school hands were about 70% and yep. the actual chemistry like 30%. But so would you characterize yourself as a naturally curious person though? Do you think that played into why uh, you were interested in science and why it was appealing to you? Yeah, that absolutely applies. Just a quick note on that. Yeah, that first class where they everyone raises their hand and they go, "All right, look to your right, look to your left," and at least one of the three of you isn't isn't going to make it or whatever, make it out of this class, let alone into medical school. Crush your dreams right then and there. But um, no, I I definitely thought that you know yeah, I would I would say I was curious, uh, and so yeah, learning the the why and the how behind various things in the world, right, chemistry related or even physics. I just thought all of those were more fun and exciting than some of the other topics in school. So, um, and just, just really interesting classes. So. Absolutely. So going back to, cause I guess this is kind of important, go back to that med school decision. You said that that was something you were interested in at first, um, but it didn't, didn't pan out. I mean, what, what went on there and what was the basis for that decision? Yeah. So, I mean, as I went through school and, and obviously outside of school, you know, you start, start to realize and understand what goes into all that. And I wouldn't say that, you know, I didn't understand what it was to become a doctor or what went into it. But the reality is that there's, you know, it takes a lot of time in school, money, um, and you have to make some decisions and choices and um, sacrifices, you know, and coming out of school, it was still an option that I had in mind and something I, you know, was definitely interested in. But the reality of, an additional, you know, six, seven, eight years of school, you know, the residency and everything included in that, and then sort of making a decision as far as your personal life, whether you want to get married, have kids, you know, just all those things combined, it came down to something where I wanted to make a decision as to, you know, starting my career then and there, 
uh, and actually sort of contributing rather than, you know, pushing it down the road. And, and, and of, of course, there's other difficulties with medical school. You got to do all the testing and everything to get in. So, um, no, just kind of a decision that worked for me. And I, I came to grips with um, it, it may not be the best fit. For me. So then it was jumping into industry of some sort and just figuring out what that was going to be. Hmm. That's interesting. It was the, uh, for me, it was the blood. I couldn't, oh, yeah. <laughs> my, my dad's a doctor, but I did not get the doctor gene. Cause man, I can't even watch to see my own blood drawn. So there was no way I was going to be a doctor. Right. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> um, I shadowed doctors and things like that and always enjoyed it. Just didn't quite work out for me. So yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's actually you mentioned something about contributing right away. Maybe that why, you know, maybe that affected your decision to go to medical school. And I think that's a good transition into your next move because I don't know if you faced it. I mean, you talk medical school, so that would have been your, your graduate school, so to speak. Uh, a lot of scientists face the decision whether to go to science graduate school, right? Pursue that PhD or whatnot. Um, but again, you talked about contributing right away. Is, is that w- what played into that decision to get your bachelor's and then move on to industry as opposed to furthering, you know, your education? Yeah, I think that was exactly it. You know, I, after school, I was excited to, and you know, in our case, I went to the University of Kansas and I was excited to leave Lawrence. I was excited to go, you know, Kansas City was where I ended up going. Um, and and at, at that point, at least in my mind, I hadn't really considered, um, I had potentially considered getting like a master's of some sort, an MBA, uh, but a PhD really wasn't even on my radar. Uh, it just, I, because I wasn't even sure what I was going to do. So what it was going to get a PhD in. Um, and so it was really, am I going to essentially take a gap year, go work for a little bit and then pursue medical school, if that's still on my list or something I'm interested in. And so I moved to Kansas City, and that kind of led to, you know, my decision to get into the industry that I did was I actually, one of my roommates was working at this company, Xenotech, and enjoyed it. And I just sort of, I was looking for a job, and I felt like I was a good fit for what they were looking for, and just kind of went from there. Interesting. I didn't know that because I was going to ask why you chose the pharmaceutical realm and I guess Xenotech in, in particular. So it was based on your roommate though. It wasn't like, oh, you know, I was curious. I thought about med school. So pharmaceuticals might be a good little combination of that or somewhat involved in the medical medical field. Right. So so I had a roommate that working at this company, Xenotech, that I work for now. Uh, and he had actually been working there for about a year. Uh, and he was in about the same position as I was in, trying to decide what whether he wanted to go to medical school or you know stick in the you know, corporate type world. Um, and he was enjoying this role uh, at the company, and they had an opening, so he just kind of let me know, and I, I applied. And like I said, it made sense. I didn't know much about what the company did at the time, really, when I applied. Did some of my background research to to understand going into the interview, but um, outside of that, it was just a, a, a starting point for me. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Now, again, I really liked your point of contributing because maybe I've told you this, but I had to, I went to graduate school and then I faced that decision of master's or PhD. And, uh, that sort of what you said now, I think back, you know, that kind of played into my decision because I did feel like I just wanted to go, you know, really just do something and join industry. Um, I was, in a fortunate to be in a group that we were doing a lot of, you know, hands-on labs and you do when you're getting your in graduate school in your PhD, but it was almost like this desire to do even more, like actually just go get real experience in the field, right? As opposed to the academic experience. So 
Right. That, that is a yeah, great point. Yeah, you just have this feeling that you can help people, not, you know, whether it's helping a company or whatever, that you can contribute to the success or provide a value. And so that was that's what I was really excited for and looking forward to because prior to that, you know, in, in high school and oftentimes in college, you're working uh, you know, not not professional careers necessarily. You may be you're contributing there, but you're excited for that adult job, right? So mm-hmm. that next level. So that's that's what I was always really excited and looking forward to. Yeah. My uh a little bit off topic, but my other, you know, issue was that I just was not motivated to publish data. And I just thought, man, I just, this isn't super motivating. I mean, it was great. Don't get me wrong. I love science and it was somewhat motivating, but I just got to that point where I felt like I needed to, needed to make a change. So that was, that's why I moved, made my move in the industry. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I can relate to that. I think it's a hard to fake. And that the same goes for for medical Mm, school, becoming a doctor. You can't fake it. You have to really want it. Otherwise, otherwise it's a lot of work uh, and you're really, you're probably not going to be happy doing it. So see, and that's probably the most important part, right? I think in the end, that's why I finally, that's why I finally thought I'm like, look, this is a human based decision. Am I that happy in graduate school? No. So (laughs) if you're not happy, you got to make a change, right? Exactly. Yeah. So then I really, and again, I feel like you had a really ideal career as you moved with your science background because you started off in the lab in that scientist one scientist two um, i'm not sure which group you were working in but m- you know much more lab a- assay based right and then you moved to um your study director role which is much more client facing i think i would say i mean you can speak on this a little bit more on the management level i mean you do talk to the scientists who are actually performing it and have some direction in the way the study's going. So, so tell me a little bit about that. I mean, what made you want to change out of the lab and to move into that study director, that client-facing, more client-facing role? Yeah. So like you mentioned, yeah, I started off really, you know, effectively at the company at the bottom at just running all the experiments in the lab. And that was something that I, I had some experience doing in college, but I wouldn't say I had a ton. I, I had some background knowledge and sort of was able to apply that to what the company was doing. But the reality was, and I actually enjoyed this aspect of learning. I, I, the first six months, maybe a year, I was just learning. I was making mistakes and, and growing, uh, and really from a technical standpoint, but also from a professional standpoint of I hadn't been in that corporate setting of, even though I was working in a lab 50% of the time, I was sitting at a desk and writing emails and, you know, having true coworkers unlike I had ever had with previous, you know, high school, college type type jobs. So um and then, you know, but I was I was highly motivated and active and wanted to learn it all immediately. Right. I think a lot of people when they get into these highly technical roles, again, it's a lot of on, you know, training as you go. But mm-hmm. I was like, oh I'm gonna read every book. I'm gonna know every little thing about what we do. <laughs> and the re- and I know now that that's not that's not realistic, right? There's people who spend 40, 50 years in this industry and still only, you know, really you can go as deep as you want, but they, they only graze the top. Um, but yeah, so, so from there, it just kind of, it was a logical next step and it was what the company needed, I, you know, not to get in the, the weeds, but I was in the drug metabolism group and people move and, you know, for one reason or another, positions opened up and I was motivated to kind of go to that next level of being a study director. And, and I understood what that meant that, you know, I was, and back in those days, I was still contributing to the lab to some extent, just not nearly as much. Uh, but also, in this case, the study director doesn't actually 
manage any direct reports, but rather manages the project. So you have a lot of people you get to work with. I enjoyed that aspect um, mm -hmm. and sort of providing a higher level of, you know, contributing at a higher level. Of, and then we, something else you touched on it about client facing. And that was, that was another motivation because it was another aspect that I really hadn't learned or didn't have a lot of experience with. When I was working in the lab, you report up, you actually bring the data and things like that to the study director internally, which was great experience. But I enjoyed and was really interested in meeting and talking with clients. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, and I'm curious, what what were your first interactions like? Or, you know, were you really nervous at first when you oh. <laughs> first started interacting with clients? I mean, I probably, I know I was, when I first made the sales role because you're just this laboratory scientist, probably a little introverted. And it's like, oh man, now I'm talking to clients. And Right. No, that, I mean, that's exactly it. I, yeah, you just fumble over everything. Um, but you learn really quickly that they're just people too. Uh, you just you start to you start to build up these identities behind these emails and things like that. And in reality, they're just trying to get something accomplished, um, and you're actually helping. And more often than not, you know you get so scared, uh, afraid of the bad situations. You know they're going to be so mad, this or that. In reality, they actually they they understand. They just need to know. So I really that was where I really developed uh, the communication aspect professional communication and how to correspond and, and inform people of situations whether it was providing services in the data or mistakes or otherwise um so it was really valuable but yeah at first i i, I was learning every day something new every day so yeah so now now the big one, right? You were a study director, you had that client-facing experience, but then you made the move to business development, um, aka sales, right? So this is a big one, right? And this is the one I have done recently. And I know it can be challenging, again, coming from a laboratory scientist who may be a little more introverted and uh, not have as many skills that people would think you need for, for business. But again, that's a scary move for, it was scary for me. And I know it's probably scary for a lot of other scientists out there. So what were your motivations behind this move? Oh, yeah. So yeah, scary and exciting and everything rolled into one. And this was motivated by, you know, I try to think back and I wanted to expand my horizons and experiences. And I knew that it was going to be uncomfortable, especially to, be, to start. Um, from what I knew about sales. Uh, but I did have what for me, and this is just what worked well for me was that I had the comfort and confidence behind the technical aspect. So I'd already spent, you know, essentially five years at this company. So I, I knew pretty well what we did. And, and that sound might sound kind of crazy, depending on the type of company, you know, you would think after five years, you would know everything, but, at, you know, in the pharma business, specifically the, this very, you know, niche area of research, um, it's impossible to know everything, but I felt like I knew a lot. And, and on top of that, I knew, you know, the company is about 130 people, give or take. And I knew pretty much everybody at the company. So if I didn't know an answer, I knew who to go to. And that was really valuable. So I, with all those things behind me, I had that confidence moving into it. And that's kind of what propelled me into the sales role. And, and really, when I was looking at it, I, I felt like I had, this is, again, just kind of my evaluation. I, you know, of course, I had the option to kind of go in a totally different direction, go to a different company, do anything else. You could switch careers altogether. But at this company, which I enjoyed being at, great culture, great people, I felt like I could either just continue learning and going up the scientific side. But then it becomes a matter of, all right, how many years of experience do you have? And, and I wasn't necessarily, I don't want to say I was impatient, but I was, I was excited to 
the next step, right? And yeah. so the sales side I had been looking at and it was it was a it was a way to apply, you know, not wasting what I had already learned, but then also grow and learn something entirely new. So it, it just felt so exciting and different. And again, the right opportunity opened up and I felt like I was prepared and ready and I went for it. Took my shot. Yeah. Don't look back, right? At least not looking back now. That was it. So Yeah, and I like that point you touched on about you know, looking for growth and wanting that. And I feel like that's so key. And that played into why I made the move to sales too. I just was looking to do something different, you know? And then again, it goes back to looking to grow your skill set. And also, did you think that it was going to um, open up more doors maybe in the future? Because now you kind of have two different skill sets. You have a little bit of the technical and you also have this this business side, like people skill set as well. That was exactly it. I- I I felt like, you know, the pharma industry is pretty broad in itself. And, and the company I work for, Xenotech, is a small piece of that. And you can apply pieces of what I've learned at Xenotech to other companies. But the reality is that it's a, you know, you're still in, in a, not I don't want to say pigeonhole, but you know, it's a small area. And so I wanted to spread my horizons and, and understand I, actually, that was a huge motivation was learning more about the industry in general. I knew that I would have to step outside mm. of my box. And that, that was one thing that I, I tell a lot of you know the people that I, I still work with that are, that, are, that are on the scientific side is that I learned so much scientifically in the sales role as well. You know, I, I'm constantly, because I have to communicate with the people that I'm, you know, selling to, clients, working with, um, and understand, because they come to us and their problems aren't usually aren't just this small little area it's a bigger picture and then they want us to help with a small piece of it so i have to understand the bigger picture as well and so i've learned just as much if not more scientifically maybe not as in depth in little areas but in a broad sense and so that was that was a huge part of it but then you can apply that to other things whether it's other industries or whatnot because everything's a business right and that was Mm -hmm. a huge component yeah no again i would Totally agree on that. And again, and, and back to the growth and wanting to wanting to do more. And I think that, and you're right, that that technical background is very important, though. You know, it's not like, at least, I don't know if this is, maybe you could help me with this, too. I don't know if it's specific to the type of sales. We do scientific sales, you know, where because the back, you know, science is such a technical field that you have to have some level of, of knowledge and background or else you're going to walk into a place and just look like an idiot because... You can't talk to people, and like you said, it's all about having good conversations. Yeah, and I and I think yeah, in order to develop that that trusting relationship, uh, you know, you can go in and you can lie to people and fake it, and you can probably sell some things, but you're not really going to be helping them, and you're probably not going to feel too good about it in the long run. But when you feel you know passionately about what you're selling and you know what you're selling then it, again, I, I think it's all about helping people with those problems or those, um, you know, essentially pain items. How can we solve this? And, and that's, you know, and this is something I learned early on in my sales through training was that I kind of see myself as more of a trusted advisor rather than a salesperson. And the, in the end, if I can't provide you a helpful solution, then I'm not a good fit, but maybe I can recommend somebody who can. But uh, if I'm trying to help you, I need to understand both what I can do to help and what you actually need. So, yeah. And, and in this industry, uh, yeah, it seems highly technical. And I'm sure there's other industries that are just as technical in different ways. But, uh, yeah, that it, it does feel like the technical background, for me specifically, has played a huge role. Mm-hmm. And then 
sort of going, you know, on that note of, of backgrounds, having that technical background, how important was being a study director, uh, do you think, in making your move into the business of development sales realm? Yeah, it just felt like a natural transition. You know, it was the same concept just earlier on. So, I, you know, as a study director, it, you are still solving those problems, you know, and you're running the studies and, and helping your clients, but it, they've already been sort of walked through an initial process, whereas the, the sale from the sales side, you're just meeting with them earlier on, and you're also going out and finding those people. So that, that sort of hunt uh, was exciting, um, but I definitely think it was helpful to have that experience ahead of time. And again, like you talked about the, the scary aspects of speaking with clients for the first time, and, um, running into to different situations and learning how to handle those. That was, you know, a huge benefit for me. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. And that's one thing, you know, for, for listeners that if you can get some client facing uh, experience with your technical, then, you know, if, if sales is a move you'd want to make, right. I think that's super invaluable. It's something that I didn't have. I mean, I kind of wish I would. And I was even asked in my interview, like, do you have any client, you know, experience? And I said, no. And they go, yeah. I mean, a lot of people who apply to this, they have some, some sort of, they describe the experience. I'm like, yeah, it's a study director. Yeah. I know what that is, but I haven't been one. So, um, right. but yeah, I, th- I think that probably helps at least soften that transition into, uh, field like sales for sure. So definitely important if you can get that at least a couple years right under your belt. So yeah, I agree. And I think in general, moving from, and again, you could speak on this when I think moving from a laboratory scientist, even to a study director, that's also a pretty big move too, right? I mean, we've both made the move into sales, which is a huge step out of your comfort zone, but even being a study director and having a little more uh, weight to your decisions and interacting with with customers and that having that okay well i might have to deliver some bad news or I might have to you know we messed up and admitted a mistake i mean that's not easy for laboratory scientists to do um if you're for that typical laboratory scientist personality you know right yeah and it's just a greater level of responsibility but also accountability right so if something mm, goes yep. wrong you're going to take more heat and that's but I think you have to embrace that and you actually have to be motivated by that. But it is tough. And, and that's one thing that I've, I've said many times, at least in our particular company, you know, Xenotech, um, is that the study directors are pretty much everything, right? They, they're the ones who actually provide the service, even though there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes. They are the face when, again, something good or bad happens. And so even if they're not the one who directly caused it they sort of get the credit and or blame so it's, it's a really tough position but that was again more and more valuable lessons along the way yeah i kind of like that theme too which what you said like you can't escape it you're gonna if you want to keep moving up you're gonna get you're gonna have increased responsibility and increased weight for your decisions and have to make more decisions so like <laughs> Just yeah. get used to it, right? Like if you're if you're afraid, you got to get over it because it's going to happen as right. you keep moving up. So no doubt. So yeah, I mean, just to um, kind of finish up here, you know, looking back, it, I'd be curious to hear some of you know what you what you learned, especially making the move from the study director to your current business development role. What initial challenges did you face, and what did you struggle with making that move? Yeah. And so, I mean, in hindsight, it feels like it all happened so naturally, but at the time, it, it you know, I questioned everything. 
you know, is this the right decision? Should I have done this? You know, at times I thought about, you know, within my company, there's different departments. Like I mentioned, I was in the metabolism group. You know, at one point I wanted to move over into transporters, just the same idea, but different focus scientifically. Uh, and I, and I actually turned that down. Did I make the wrong decision there? Cause that would have expanded my horizons to its own, in its own way. Um, and so that's just an example of throughout this whole process, I, I doubted every step. I wasn't certain what's, what's the correct move here. What's the right decision. And looking back now, and I try to apply this moving forward that there is not, there isn't just one single correct way to do it. Right. I could have made any number of decisions. And that doesn't mean that every decision is right. But you have to kind of accept that you made the decision and apply that moving forward. All right, what's next? You know, you can't keep looking back too much, worrying about, oh, this was a mistake, should have done that. What's next? What's the next step? You know, as long as you have that motivation to keep moving forward. And, and for me, that was ultimately the goal is just sort of how do I not just move up for the sake of moving up, but how do I continue to improve and grow and knowing that that will help me move up? Um, so, yeah, it wasn't like it was the perfect game plan that I executed and had in mind the whole time and that it's going to work for everybody. But that's what worked for me. And I felt like I sort of navigated what I had in front of me and made it work. Yeah. So we talked about this a little bit um, offline, but do you think, was it challenging with your personality? I mean, I know you mentioned you you lean a little bit towards the introverted side of the spectrum i know i do too i'm sure many scientists do right so did that play into your challenges or you know can you speak on that sort of your personality yeah going into sales and even from the sales director standpoint i had to embrace the idea that you had to be a little more outspoken right it doesn't mean that you can't listen to people but i and on that note i felt like that was actually one of my strengths going to sales because I understood the technical aspect, I knew that you had to listen and understand what they were saying first. You can't just come in and, and spew all these potential fixes without knowing what they actually need. So um, I actually sort of embraced that aspect of sort of the quote unquote introverted salesperson. Um, and, and, you know, I felt like it worked. But at the same time, and I'll touch on this maybe a little bit more later, but I feel like the networking component can't be understated or can't be overstated rather. And, and that's where you have to sort of bring out the extroverted side. You have to be willing to go out and just talk to people, just make conversation. And, and then you can still use that to learn more about whatever they have to say, or whatever their issues are, solutions, all those things. But you have to sort of, you know, take on that new personality. Yeah, definitely. I think that's just, that's so key, right? I think that's what holds back. I mean, again, one of the major motivations of this podcast is just to kind of enlighten the scientists that there are other options if you feel pigeonholed, right? If you feel like, oh, I have all these other interests that I might want to go explore, like you can do that. But that introverted personality, I feel like holds back scientists a lot because, you know, we have those stereotypes of you have to be this extroverted, super loud, super talkative person to be successful, uh, not just in sales, but, you know, in business and operations and all that. And I don't, you know, that's definitely not the case, right? You can be successful with an introverted personality and, and being a great listener and a great communicator. So, of course. Yeah. And I think that that, that personality you mentioned, sort of the typical scientist, the introverted nature, I, I think that there's just so much doubt there that, oh, I could never do that. Or I'm not. Exactly. You know, a great example is like public uh, presentations. 
Um, it, it's scary, but it's also scary for the outspoken people too. And it's scary for the people who have tons of experience doing it, right? You just have to embrace that and say, okay, I'm going to get over this. And maybe I mess it up a little bit or a lot. It doesn't matter. People mess up all the time. But then I'm going to do it again. I'm going to keep growing. Uh, so, yeah, the more and more you learn that, I don't want to say everybody's faking it, but everybody's growing and learning too. And everybody's <laughs> worried, self-conscious as you are. I, I think the quicker you come to understand that you should just get out there and practice and learn and, and do more. Yeah, I really, I love that. That's a great mindset that it's not just you. Everyone's trying to grow. Everyone's stepping out of their comfort zone. So like, don't freak out. It's okay to make mistakes and be nervous and stuff like that. So, yep. but then, so thinking back to, and again, we'll, we'll do the move to sales because that's a big one for a scientist. I mean, we talked a little about your struggles, but now when you look back, what do you think that it takes to be successful making that move from laboratory scientist um, into sales? Yeah, I think it, it, you know, for me, one of the big things in my company embraces was having a sales process. And, and what that means, again, is under, or having a plan for um, how you're going to approach prospects or clients, you know, people outside of your, your company and ask them what their needs are, what they're looking for, and then how you're going to communicate any potential ways that you can or can't help. Um, and so that plan was really helpful for me. And so I would encourage people, again, if you're specifically interested in getting the sales, is looking up a sales process, whether the company you're working for already has one in place or utilizes an outside resource for that, or even just, you know, things like this, podcasts, um, YouTube, whatever it might be. You can just find so many plans. Um, and so for me, and maybe that was a salesperson or a scientific personality was I, I wanted to have a plan in place, right? Now, the sales process was even sort of the science of people and how they want to be talked to and communicated with. Um, and I think that was, that was a big component for me. Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, again, that kind of goes back to that natural curiosity that I think all scientists have, and that becomes invaluable, um, not just for moving into sales, but making any sort of career move where it might be sort of out of the realm because you have that desire to learn. And that's so important to learn new skills and step out of that comfort zone and, and do those things to be successful and, and big career changes you might make might make as a scientist. So, well, um, we're coming up on time here. So I'll get you out of here on this one. If you had to give one actionable um, tip or piece of advice or just even just a piece of wisdom um, on different science careers or just even careers in general, what would that be? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, one of the biggest things for me, like I mentioned earlier, was networking. And what I mean by that is not just meeting people for the sake of adding them to your LinkedIn network and growing the number of friends that you have or acquaintances, <laughs> but meeting people in, with a genuine interest in learning what they do, whether they're in your industry, uh, you know, whether it's a, a you know, a, a company that's adjacent to yours or even within your current company. Or, you know, if you're, you know, prior to your professional career, if you're still in college, talking around with professors or even other students, learning about what they're planning to do, because they may have a, a parent or a, so another family member who's in this specific type of career. Because that, that was the thing is I didn't follow this career path because somebody in my family had done it or anything like that. I sort of just went with what I was given and made the best of it. But that doesn't mean that you can't have a more precise, you know, and, and plan in place. So really, and if you don't have that, you know, if you don't have a, a parent who you're just going to do exactly what they did, 
uh, go out and meet people, talk to people, go to conferences, um, especially when you're younger. I think a lot of those things can be free. Uh, so just take advantage of those resources, talk to people. And again, if you're at a current company, say you're already in the lab, you're a scientist and you want to move into sales or something of that sort, go talk to your salespeople. Don't be nervous about it. They talk to people every day, right? So <laughs> yeah. embrace that. They're there to talk and they like to talk about it. So, I mean, that's what we're doing right here. So go out and talk to them. And yeah, utilize LinkedIn for things like that, but don't just do it for like a, you know, to increase your numbers, do it to increase your knowledge of different options. Cause there, even if you don't want to do sales, there's so many different paths you can take. So exactly. And that's, that's a great place to end. Cause that's the major point of this podcast is that there are so many different career paths to take with a science background. You don't have to feel like there are only certain routes you can take. And I, I just love what you said. They're meeting people with a genuine interest. That's just an amazing piece of advice. And I think that's so important, um, not just to sales, but I mean, just life in general, I think that makes life more enriching when you're just interested and naturally curious about other people. Yeah, so it's a lot more enjoyable that way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again, Zach. I appreciate Appreciate you being on the uh, on the podcast. So if people want to learn more about you or even what you do, how can yeah, they do that? Uh, please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn, Zachary Mitz. Uh, you know, the company I work for, Xenotech. Uh, if you want to learn more about what we do or if you want to feel free to just reach out with questions about career paths or networking or anything of that sort, especially in the pharmaceutical industry. Um, and again, if I don't know the answer or I don't have an idea, maybe I know somebody who does. So be happy to talk more about it, but uh, I definitely appreciate the time today, Jared. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problems. It's been a great conversation. Thanks again. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Zach. If you have some time and you are interested, feel free to rate and subscribe to the podcast. Other than that, stay tuned for future episodes. Take care, everyone.